Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. On this week's show, we review the Football World Cup from the perspective of the finalists Germany and Argentina. The Phoenix get ready for a pre-season tournament against two English Premier League clubs and a star player returns to the New Zealand Breakers. The departing Hurricanes coach Mark Hammett looks back on his controversial tenure while the Chiefs look ahead to the Super Rugby playoffs. The All Black Sevens prepare to defend their Commonwealth Games title and the New Zealand Olympic champion 470 sailors capsize to bronze in Athens. Andre Schürrle is breaking down the left hand side. Dangerous ball in the area to Gersler. Gersler scores for Germany. What a move. Schürrle down the left. Gersler is there at the near post. And is that the goal to win the World Cup for Germany? Yes, it was. Germany claimed their fourth World Cup title in Brazil on Monday, beating Argentina in extra time 1-0. Not since 1990 had German hands held the trophy aloft, and now it's thought Germany could dominate the football landscape for years to come. Radio New Zealand's Mary Wilson spoke to Deutsche Bella Radio's Jonathan Harding in the German city of Bonn shortly after the victory. Cars are everywhere, people standing their horns, walking around with flags, waving, shouting, celebrating. It's a pretty big moment for them, you know. 1990 was the last World Cup win, and it's it's just a big deal. You know, this is a side that's been waiting 10 years to win it. Joachim Löw has put plan into place and he's finally seen it through and everyone is obviously delighted. And the fresh-faced Mario, the hero of the hour. Yeah, absolutely. He couldn't look younger. I'm, I'm sure there are a number of sports journalists around the world that felt incredibly old the moment that Mario got to, decided to score the winner for Germany, but it just proves their strength and depth. You know, he came off the bench. He's had some criticism at this World Cup for the positions he's played in the form that he's been in, but Again, you know, in, in the key moments, he produces a moment of magic. Technical ability was, you know, absolutely fantastic to, to finish the goal the way that he did, and it deservedly gave Germany the, the win in a very close game. The first European team I see to win the cup on South American soil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of criticism about or question marks as well about, you know, are European teams going to be able to handle it in uh, in South America? It's going to be difficult because of the climate, but it just proves that you know, good preparation and the right mindset. It doesn't really matter where and what the climate is. If you prepare properly and you've got the right players in the right place, then anything's possible. And the coach, wasn't he saying that, in fact, Germany is set to dominate for years? This is such a talented side. It's not just a talented side. It's a talented country and it's a talented generation that they've got. And it's it's set to continue for years to come. Um, there's absolutely no doubt that they've got the players in, in position, really, to, to dominate over the next 10 years, the young players just keep coming through. So as much as tonight is, is a big achievement, it's also a warning to the rest of Europe because so much more could be on the way. And Argentina, not a walkover. This was in no way a repeat of Brazil. Love and his team knew very much that you know, Argentina were going to pose a serious threat. And they did throughout the game. And they had some fantastic chances to score, but those will be forgotten now. Um, they, they finish runners-up, and unfortunately, if you don't take those chances early on in the game, then you will pay for them at some point, especially against this Germany team. But credit to them for giving it such a good game, really, you know, making it such a good game and giving it a good go. It really pushed Germany. That was Deutsche Bella Radio's Jonathan Harding.
Riots in Buenos Aires followed Argentina's defeat, despite the team exceeding national expectations to make the final. Radio New Zealand's Guyon Espiner spoke to Argentinian journalist Frankie Davies. It was hard, but then on the other hand, if you take into account that when Argentina left the country to go to Brazil, expectations were uh, were always high because we're a soccer mad country, but they were not that high. So we came uh, with a goal of the best team in the championship. There's no doubt that Germany fully deserved to take home the trophy. There were a lot of people very, very sad that Argentina didn't make it. Uh, and they took to the to the streets just to celebrate just being Argentinian. That evolved into a big, massive uh, act of they just destroyed part of town. There was a lot of uh, stealing and, and stuff happening uh, where people were supposed to be joyous and celebrating. That was politically maneuvered to create all this havoc and just take away what should have been a bittersweet moment for all of the Argentinians of just getting together and moving the flags and just enjoying being Argentinian. So uh, the sad thing of the team not winning and the sad thing of seeing the country just coming undone at the seams, which, uh, which made it even worse. How do you mean politically motivated or politically maneuvered? Basically, it's the unions that are against the government, so they have their henchmen and they send them to uh, just break a few windows and... Uh, and create havoc and, and get into fights with the police. And it was really sad with policemen uh, throwing um, gas and, and just firing their um, uh, rubber bullets. And it was, it was sad. It was really sad. How do you think the team will be received when they come home? They already came home. They, they flew in at around uh, 11 in the morning, and the bus just couldn't, couldn't move forward because of the thousands of people that just blocked the road just to... I mean, we're all very thankful of what the team did. As I said, uh, when they left, they were not expected to be in the final, regardless of having the best player in the world up until the World Cup. I don't think Messi had a great tournament, except for FIFA and maybe their sponsors, uh, who saw, saw Messi as the best player in the tournament. I think the rest of us would have seen that he was good, but uh, not good enough. But again, I mean, we're very proud of the team and what they achieved, despite the fact that they didn't achieve uh, the trophy. The Argentinian journalist Frankie Davies. The controversial Hurricanes coach Mark Hammett ended his four-year tenure this week after his side again failed to make the Super Rugby playoffs. The former All Black and assistant Crusaders coach is heading to Wales where he'll coach the Cardiff Blues on a two-year contract. Hammett's reign in Wellington got off to a rocky start in 2011 when he sacked the All Blacks Ma'anonu and Andrew Hoare in an effort to clean house. Leading players Piriwipu and Jose Gear chose not to work with Hammett, leaving Hurricanes fans to endure four years of mediocre results without some of their stars. Hammett departed with affection and praise from the current crop of Hurricanes players and says he's looking forward to a fresh start. We're excited about heading off. It's, it's always nice to change um, and, and the challenges it'll present. In, in terms of the season, it's you, know, you always have goals and visions and, and when you're a competitive person and you fail at that, it's, it's disappointing. But that, that's, uh, that's the on-field side and, and you know, we had some controllables and some things that weren't controllable and, um, and unfortunately we ended up um, one, one point away from, um, from being in Africa. Do you look back in hindsight at a couple of games, a couple of certain things perhaps that may have slipped you up? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there are always key moments. You know, I think um, that uh, that try that was disallowed against the Highlanders, and then there were some games we just played poorly in. You know, so um, and then there were some games we played really well, and you know, they beat Crusaders twice. To, we, we beat up the Chiefs, you know, as well um, here at home. So there, there were some really good performances. Do you look back at the four years with the legacy, or, or perhaps what from when you started to what you've achieved with this side? Um, I'm really proud of uh, a lot of stuff we've achieved. Um, when I came in here, um, it, it, it was a real mess. I was disappointed actually when I came in here to see see the work that had to be done. And um, well, people ask me all the time, you know, do, do you have regrets around that first year how it was handled? Uh, I regret the the state it was in, and that there was a lack of leadership. There was some some character flaws that were missing, and there was some really professional standards that were nowhere near. And, and now I'm really proud that, that whoever comes in and takes over here is going to, um, has got a base, start a foundation of um, really, really good people, hard working on and off the field and, and some really good character. So, so I'm really hoping that you know, the Hurricanes will be successful moving forward. What do you think the next step needs to be, Hammer, to get the side into regular playoff contention? Oh look, I, I think um, I think we lost some some good opportunities around succession planning. So so that's not that's not the on field. That's that's some of the off field detail around around the the huge amount of talent this this franchise produces, and and we got behind the ball on that. And um, and I, I think we, we start to catch up, but that that takes a few years for that to happen. And it's a pity it's, it's happening now and not and not when when it should have been pushed. But, look, that's not... I'm not going to win about it. They're just some of the things that you... that sometimes you get disappointed about to, because you can be so much further ahead than, than, than potentially where we were. Mark, is there an element of you feeling almost like you're leaving <laughs> when the job is kind of half done? A sense that, as you say, you've completely cleared up that sort of off-field side of things, but the on-field performances may not have been there consistently, and then now you're sort of heading off? Not really. I... Um, yeah, I, I, I always planned to be here four years. I, I thought it would take four years. I, um, like I say, I probably didn't. I didn't realise the enormity of the of the first year, which was which was hard work. And and I'd made my decision um, effectively in November last year. So um, so so I knew I knew um, I knew what what I was doing and where we were going and and, and the next challenge. So um, yeah, it wasn't about. This year, or how things went this year, it was um, you know decisions had, be, had been made for, for different reasons, and um, you know, and I'm happy with those decisions. What have you learnt as a head coach? Um, oh, look, I, I, I like my style. I put my players, well, I put my team first, and then and then and then the players are, are next, and and that's I always believe that's how it should be. But you do have to treat everyone differently, and and um, I care for my players hugely, and um, it was it was. Pretty awesome the other night when um, you know Conrad had his few words and a sort of bit of goodbye at awards dinner for me and um, and, and the players were just outstanding. So it was a yeah, it was a good night and it was nice to know how how that group feels. Mark, just going back to the first year, so I guess no regrets on, on how the Nonu and and Hoare, um saga was handled. Oh, like I say, I've, I've, I've answered that. I regret how the place was when I got in here and um, and that I had to be the person to come in and um, and I unfortunately make the real tough decisions around what I felt needed to, to move this place forward once again around professional standards, around leadership, around character, around hard work so um, yeah, yeah I, you know I, I wish that was done and, and I'm proud that 
now. Um, whoever takes this, obviously Chris Boyd will have his first crack, but, but whoever takes over will be able to um, will have a really good, solid foundation to work with. Mate, do you want to coach in Super Rugby again? When yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, New Zealand, uh, this competition's the toughest competition by far. I was 100% committed to the Hurricanes over the four years and, and to the players and, and, the, and the people here. So um, sometimes people get a bit caught up and they, they think you're red and black and, and you're not. You're actually, your heart's fully in with, with your crew and your team at the time. So, and I know I'll be the same when I move to Cardiff. The former Hurricanes coach, Mark Hammett. The Chiefs continue their quest for a third straight Super Rugby title this weekend in their playoff clash with the Brumbies in Canberra. Having just snuck into the top six, the Chiefs will have to do it the hard way this year and win their playoff games on the road. The co-captain Liam Messam spoke to reporters before the squad flew out to Australia and says the do-or-die nature of Saturday's match is nothing new. Oh, it was uh, very motivated uh, the last couple of weeks to have set, uh, shown that. We've uh, been at knock- knockout stages since uh, the Hurricanes game, so the boys are uh, very motivated and uh, really have responded the way, uh, I guess, as captains, we really want them to. Having won the title for two years and playing from the front in the sense you've had that home advantage, you've almost been favourites in many respects. So going in as kind of an underdog, doing it on the road, is this almost the challenge this sort of team needs? Yeah, it is a different challenge and it's going to be a tough challenge and it's, it's always awesome to play at home. Uh, we've got great fans, but uh, this time we're on the road and uh, first one's done to, done to Canberra, so you know it's a, a tough place to win. So uh, we're doing all the right things that we can to, to make sure that we're in the, I guess, the right mindset to go down there and, and get a win. What makes the Brumbies so tough? Oh, just the, the way they really execute their game plan. Um, they're real, I guess, structured, but they, they do their things really well and uh, you know they, they don't do too many things flashy, but... The things they do are really well and they execute it to, uh, to almost to perfection. So although you, you, you scrambled home in the last couple of weeks, a couple of tight games against Kiwi teams, what is the key for getting the points in Canberra or the win? Yeah, I, I think the, the last two weeks uh, it's been pretty personal because it's uh, been against a couple of Kiwi teams. So just making sure we go over to Australia and I guess keep that momentum, especially in the four-pack. I think the Fords have really stood up and, and I guess uh, really set that platform with their physicality. So just making sure that we really just get stuck into to the Brumbies. Obviously the Brumbies won the round robin match by quite a margin. What's the difference between the Chiefs team then and then the Chiefs team now? Oh, it's a massive difference. Uh, when we were over there in April, we uh, got a bit of a hiding, got a bit embarrassed, but uh, yeah, different personnel. Uh, this team's grown since those, I guess, uh, disappointments. Uh, we've gone through a lot of hard times as a team, but um, I'm really confident that those hard times have uh, made us stronger as a, as a unit and as, as a family. What particular areas have you, have you grown in? Oh, I think the, the biggest one is the, the belief. And, and the confidence and uh, three weeks ago uh, all you guys were writing us off saying that we couldn't do it and uh, we were still standing here and we got an opportunity to, to make sure that we can uh, follow on to next week. Do you take much out of the, the way you fought against the Brumbies in the final last year or is that just too long ago now and you've got to look at it differently? Oh yeah, that's definitely a long time ago now and uh, even in the April game uh, there's a lot we can learn from that but it's, it's a long time ago and uh, like I said we've grown as a team and, and as, as a family and, and as better people as well and better rugby players. So. Did you take from that campaign and the previous one? You perhaps got more playoff experience than anyone in this uh, series. You, how much role do you think that'll play? Yeah, I guess a lot of people talk about momentum when you come into, into playoffs, but uh, for me, I'm a big believer. It's just a one-off, and uh, if you just throw everything into this one game and then worry about the, the week after, then uh, we should be alright. And that's all we've got to do is just focus on, on every day by day and just have the excitement about training and then just get into to Saturday night and, and just rip into it because it's uh, a one-off. That was the Chiefs co-captain Liam Messam. 
The Wellington Phoenix football team is building up to this month's four-team pre-season tournament with fellow A-League club Sydney and the English Premier League sides Newcastle and West Ham. It's not known if the Phoenix will field the all-white midfielder Michael McGlinchey, who's locked in a contract dispute with the Central Coast Mariners. But this week, the club confirmed it's re-signed captain Andrew Durante for another season. The central defender spoke to media about his new contract and the club's playing roster for the coming season. I spoke to Ernie and the club uh, towards the end of last season uh, about extending and... um, yeah, we, we went into this discussions, but it was a pretty easy decision for myself. I, I really wanted to stay here and uh, as long as possible, and, and it gives me some security for the next, uh, obviously this season and next season now, and I can just keep my head down and concentrate on playing good. Just the one year, though? I mean, do you see yourself at the Phoenix beyond 2015-16? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, my, my track record's you know pretty good. I haven't missed too many games through injury or, um, or, or any reason, really, so... Hopefully, um, you know, that can continue. I'm, I'm happy just to sign a one-year extension. I'll be 33 at the end of it um, and then take it from there. We'll see how I'm playing. How do you see this year's team shaping up compared to maybe this time last year? Yeah, it's, it's looking good. We've had a, a really good organised pre-season already. We've been in for about five weeks now and, and it's been really good. We've Last season was a little bit, uh, you know, unsettled, uh, waiting for players to come in. There was a lot of changes, but we've got a... Similar squad to last year with, with a few really good additions, so um, you know we're, we're really excited by it. We, we understand the system a lot better now uh, under Ernie, and hopefully it's, it's going to reap rewards and um, you know we're getting that playoff. If you can get McGlinchey as an official Phoenix player, what will he bring to the team? Yeah, hopefully it happens. Um, you know, he's, a, he's a brilliant bloke and a fantastic player, and uh, look, I think our depth in midfield probably hurt us a little bit last season and, and having him in there um, creates a lot of competition for, um, for for the midfield spot. So he's proven in the A-League. He's, he's had a fantastic um, you know, few years at Central Coast and hopefully we can secure him and um, you know, he plays really well for us. How competitive do you think you'll be against uh, Newcastle and West Ham? Have you got a, a feel for how you might go? Yeah, I think we'll have a good chance, to be honest. Um, from what I understand, they've only been back in pre-season maybe two or three weeks. Um, you know, We've had five or six weeks under our belt already, and um, we're looking pretty good. Uh, it's hard to gauge, um, obviously never having played against them, only watching on TV. But, look, I think it's gonna, we're going to have a good chance. We're, we're set up and organised um, to have a real crack at them. So we'll see how we go. Andy reckons you and Ben might be pretty busy. Are you ready for that? Yeah, big Andy Carroll at, at the top will be a, a handful. Obviously, um, you know he's, he's a great player and, and a big boy. So um, you know if they do go direct, we'll, we'll have a tough night. But um, looking forward to it. You want to play against some of the best players, and you know we're not going to get this opportunity too often. So we've got to make the most of it. We're just going to go out there, enjoy ourselves. Um, you know, go out there to beat them, um, and hopefully there's a big crowd and everyone you know really makes the most of it. In the pre-season, Jerry, yourself and Siggy have played centre-back most of the time, but there's been a few options tried out at right and left-back. Uh, do you think there might be a little bit of depth perhaps being built in the full-back positions now at the club? Yeah, it was uh, difficult last season with lots of injuries. Whoever played left or right full-back seemed to get injured. Um, so it was a kind of a, a cursed position last year. But look, we got lots of depth. we got Reese, we got Josh. Um, Doyle's in uh, potential um, to get a spot there. Manny's uh, converted back there now. So there's lots of options for us. Um, you know, it's it's up to the players now to stamp their authority and see who who, who wants it and, and take us into the season with it. And just in front of you, uh, Elbert Riera, nice to look up and see that shaggy mopper here in front of you. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, obviously, we missed him a lot last season when he when he got injured, but he was fantastic. The games that he played and, and got our player player of the year. So, 
Um, I believe he's been called up to the All-Stars as well, which is a great re- reward for him. And, and he's been great. He's still trying to get back to full fitness. But, um, you know, when he does play, he's, he's a fantastic player for us. That was the captain of the Phoenix, Andrew Durante. The Breakers have made the most important signing of their off-season, securing the return of the American point guard Cedric Jackson. After failing to make the playoffs without the former MVP last season, the Breakers have secured his services on a two-year deal. The club's general manager, Richard Clark, spoke to reporters after confirming the signing. We've been in touch probably since the season finished and that's always a wait and see. You know, it's uh, working through some, some opportunities for him and where he wanted to be, but I think a two-year deal and uh, he does enjoy it here and knew the environment he was coming into, so it's just a matter of the right time. How significant is it for the team, someone like him coming back? Uh, it's very significant, I think. For Dean, it gives him someone that he really trusts, how he plays. Uh, Cedric is the the perfect guy for the type of, uh, of a style of gameplay Dean wants to play, uh, so he was a priority. And best thing about Ced is his main quality is he makes everyone else better, and so that's a good thing to have in the team, and it's not every day you get an MVP coming back. But did you say it was, you know, you've been in talks for a wee while now, um, did Cedric have some concerns about coming back? No, it always just takes a while. You know, there's, he's still got the NBA dream and just seeing where that was going. But it's also, it's quite a process with the agents and they always want to place him where he's going to get the most money and so we had to work through that and convince them that it was a good environment. Uh, the two years helps uh, and our season shortening by a few weeks helps. It, it gives them some opportunities after our season. Uh, but, yeah, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to, to get to the right result. Did, did it take much sweetening as far as, you know, when he was here last time, bringing him back, you may have felt that, you know, he was required this time to sort of sweeten the deal again? Not really, no. Uh, two years is obviously good uh, security for him. Uh, it's more about he got really squeezed last year because of the salary cap uh, and we've, we've had a few more guys off contract this year so we're able to sort of get back to where we were with him. Uh, but for Sid, it's about understanding his role, what he's going to do, the opportunities he has as much as the contract side of things and it was about you know, convincing him of that and I think his value to us and how much we wanted him was important. Uh, and so it's a, it was a bit of a process but pretty exciting to have him back. You've got a real grin on your face. It's obviously oh, it's, pretty exciting. It's something, you know, it's taken it's a bit of work and we know what Sid can do. Um, also, just before this, watched the highlights package of Sid that Kate put together and you know, it's hard not to get excited when you know that guy's coming back. Uh, but, you know, we're a, a club that prides itself on being a family and Sid was a big part of that family and you know, it's like someone coming home. It'll be a bit different as well for him coming back because there'll be, you know, some key players which, which aren't around now that were when he was... First, uh, yeah, the big one for him will be CJ. CJ was his big brother, uh, but you know uh, Dylan's still there. He's just sitting in a different chair. Um, Mick is still there. Tom's still there. It's some of the young guys that he was bringing along while he was here are now in key roles. So no, I think he'll enjoy that. He'll have uh, maybe more of a leadership role, and I think that's something said will really enjoy. Did you have to have a good look at him from a medical perspective after the injuries he struggled with last year? We'll still get a, a full check out uh, with him. We're fortunate that our former uh, Dr Bruce Twaddle is now orthopaedic surgeon up in Seattle, and so it's not far from Sid, so 
Again, we'll get the family onto it and they'll check him out. And uh, But everything points to him being OK. And he's been playing and doing workouts? Yeah, he's been working out. Uh, we just worked out with Sacramento. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a hamstring twinge, but, you know, that's uh, just a niggle. And he's got a bit of time to get into shape and rest up. He knows what he's doing now, so he doesn't have to beat himself up every day. So has he given up on his NBA dreams now? No, it's actually part of why he's coming so he well it's a two year contract you know same as all our guys if they get an NBA shot we'll work with them on that but uh, he sees our environment as a place he can get better and he wants to work on things like his jump shot that will give him a, a better NBA shot so there is a clause in the deal that he could opt out it's a clause, clause in everyone's in, uh, NBL contract that if they get an NBA deal that they can uh, I guess negotiate their way out of it but uh, for us we expect him to be here for two years if he gets a, bit, a shot at the, the league, then that's probably a good result too. What does this signing do for uh, not only the salary cap but the um, team player or the player points rankings now? Are you still comfortable? Yeah, that? we're actually in a really good place points wise. Uh, we've got uh, loyalty points came in this year, and Tom and Alex get some uh, deductions, uh, and we've got like Dwayne Bailey coming in as a one, and uh, yeah, we're, we're good on points. Uh, salary cap's always you have to manage it, but uh, no, we're, we're in a good place with it. and. Uh, and I think we're building a quality team. And Dean's scouting some other talents over in America as we speak? He is, yes. He's at the Vegas Summer Leagues. He's doing some coaching there, checking out some import options. But, uh, you know, we've still got a couple of local spots. Hopefully have one of those confirmed in the next couple of days. And, yeah, we think we're, we're heading in the right direction to putting the team Dean wants together. Presumably uh, Dean will be looking at a, at a big, big man uh, for that second spot. Maybe. Uh, depends on our local signings. Uh, and, but, yeah, we've got some decisions to make and just need to see how a couple other things play out. That was the Breakers' general manager, Richard Clark. The All Black Sevens flew out to a training camp in the Netherlands this week as part of the build-up to the defence of their title at the Commonwealth Games. New Zealand has won gold at the previous four games and are favourites to win in Glasgow, although they're likely to be without stalwarts Tomasi Thama and Lottie Rakambula, who have only made the squad as travelling reserves. The captain, DJ Forbes, says while the Commonwealth Games is no longer the pinnacle of the sport, competition will be stiff in Scotland. He spoke to media at Auckland Airport. A lot of teams will be building you know, for the Olympics, keeping that at the back of their, back of their head, but... Uh... I think ultimately everyone knows the competition in general in the World Series is, is a lot more harder than it used to be, so um, definitely going to be a hard task to get their fifth, fifth ball medal. Who's our favourites? I mean, obviously, apart from yourselves, obviously, you, you have the number on your back, never lost a match at the Commonwealth Games. Who, who else you got to worry about? Oh, I mean, all the, I guess the, the big tier nations are definitely going to be the, the main threats, um, but in saying that, um, our pool is probably one of the hardest pools. Um, Scotland at home, we saw that on the World Series, were amazing. And then obviously we, we faced Canada in the final in London, so we got both of them in our pool. So as far as we're concerned, we're just worried about our pool games. And if we can get through that, you know, um, unscathed, then we should have a good chance at gold. How much does that fear of failure drive you on? Nobody wants to be the first team to lose a match at the Con game. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a fine line. Um, in terms of the expectation, any any rugby team or any black jersey in the front on is expected to do well. Obviously the legacy is set in stone and you know, hopefully we've got a chance to add to that. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably my duty along with the senior boys to find that fine line, how much motivation is pressure and how much uh, we can't let that you know, get, get on top of us. So I, I think um, in terms of building, you know, the boys are well-established season, you know, sevens players now and they know what's at stake. So um, definitely, you know, we're, no surprises this weekend. Nice to have Lottie and Tomasi um, jumping on that plane and heading over for a bit. Yeah, I think um, if anything, they've been stalwarts of our, of our team and 
um, if anything goes wrong. You know, I mean, um, they have those two um, able and ready. Uh, definitely, you know, it, it keeps everything in, in perspective. And uh, I guess you know they'll be hurting, but in saying that, um, it, it sort of says a lot about the depth of uh, New Zealand sevens at the moment. So to know that those two guys are in the reserves, um, just you know, I guess shows how much our team is moving forward. Do you reckon it's a younger man's game now? I mean, you, you and um, Tim must be the oldest guys there. There's no Eric Rush anymore, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in all fairness, yeah, you could say it's a young man's sport, but um, I think there's a, a place for everyone, and you know, I guess um, I've held my own. Um, and, and a lot of the senior boys are doing exactly the same. Um, and I think there's that sort of there's a niche for you know certain types of players. Obviously, the, the athlete itself is changing. Um, a lot of our boys that are backs and 15s are you know playing the forwards role. And so I guess um, in terms of the, the sport moving forward, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting now that these bigger and faster and stronger guys you know still playing rugby. And talking of young guys, Joe Weber and Declan O'Donnell back in the side. It must be exciting to see them running around again. Yeah, well, I think if anyone's going to be excited, it's definitely uh, Dex. You know, um, he's been chopping at the bit to get it back out there and he's been you know I guess hampered by a lot of a lot of injuries a lot of unfortunate injuries and um, I was there the last time when he blew his hammy and you know just to see the tears and that was just for a World Series so um, it's going to be exciting for him and you know like you said the caliber of players that are you know putting their hand up for a starting position um, can only mean you know good things for us you know come game time in Glasgow. The Netherlands camp is that I mean you must have done the conditioning already so what, what's the aim, aim at the Netherlands camp? Oh, in, in Delhi, um, you know, we, we spent a week in Dubai, so obviously it's, it's just having a week, um, you know, as close as we can to the action without you know, getting too bombarded by media or anything like that. So, um, in terms of the resources, Titch and a lot of the high performance unit have gone across and, and seen what's um, there for us, so they're pretty happy with, you know, what's in store. So, as far as we're concerned, it, it's still a, a camp, and Titch is old school, he'll be you know, thrashing us just as per normal. Um, but hopefully, you know, there's a, a little bit more fine tuning and getting some combinations going. That was the captain of the All Black Sevens, DJ Forbes. New Zealand's world and Olympic 470 sailing champions Joe Alley and Polly Powery were unable to defend their European title in Athens this week as a disastrous final resulted in a third-place finish. Barry Guy caught up with Powery and asked her about how the race panned out. So we had one race today. We had the uh, medal race. We were guaranteed a medal going into today, so um, uh, we ended up third overall. We had a pretty disappointing race. Um, we capsized at the first bottom mark, so that was effectively race over for us. The spinnaker got caught around the jib. I spent about five minutes untangling it, so uh, yeah, after that, yeah, we couldn't really catch up. So overall for the regatta for you? Yeah, we've had uh, sort of a long, uh, very hot week um, here in Athens, so uh, certainly I guess we haven't got as much right as what we would have wanted. But, yeah, certainly got a few things to work on uh, going forward to Worlds in a couple of months. Uh, the competition was obviously uh, pretty good, though, which, um, you know, is good to come up against. Yeah, definitely. We had uh, a few teams out uh, with injury earlier in the year. Um, so we had had uh, the whole fleet here for this regatta. Um, so it's a really good lineup, a really good sort of hit-out um, yeah, so, so we're, I guess we're in the hunt and, uh, yeah, just got a few things to work on going forward. What what does a sailor have to work on, you know, uh, was it teamwork or what sort of things? I guess every every team's obviously a bit different. There's always bits and pieces. Sailing's a sport where um, there's always plenty to work on, lots of different variables. The equipment is obviously a massive part of it and, and of course, the teamwork as well is also, is also huge. So just sort of tightening up on, on a few bits and pieces that um, we didn't get quite right. Uh, so the Worlds, that's the, that's the big one for the year, is it? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, in a couple of months and that's, that's obviously uh, the one that we're um, targeting this year. 
Do you, do you go into that with confidence, though? Yeah, I mean, we, we, obviously, this, yeah, we didn't get everything right, but um, you know, we, we're still well in the mix going forward with a with a full fleet. So um, yeah, you know, we just got to keep our heads up and, and keep improving and, and looking forward. You, you sound pretty relaxed about the whole thing, really. Is is that the best uh, place to be in once you've just completed a regatta? Is it? Yeah, I guess you know, sailing's a sport where sometimes things don't go your way. Um, Certainly, I, I, I guess we, we know where we didn't go well and what we didn't do right. So, um, yeah, you know, I guess in that sense, it makes it quite simple going forward. You, you know what you need to do, um, and, we, and we do know what we need to do. So, um, yeah, in that sense, it gives you a bit of peace of mind, I suppose. That was the New Zealand 470 sailor Polly Powery. The World Championships she mentioned are held in Spain later this year. That's extra time for this week. You can send your feedback to sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Ben Robinson. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.